0: I'm so glad that Doctor Who has returned. Right, right. We're stuck on Earth once again. It's scooby Who. Doctor Who's turned into a cartoon. It seems people either really love uh, Love Lover Monsters or really hate it. They were attacked by a scribble. Right, right. Yeah. They were attacked by a scribble. He's literally turned into a cartoon. Okay. If this is what you want in Doctor Who, fine, you can have it. It seems people either really loved, uh,
1: love liver monsters or really hate them. They were attacked
0: by a scribble.
1: <laughs> I, I I get I get your point. They mate, were but... attacked
0: by a scribble.
1: Okay. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. And they were attacked by a scribble. It's it's a cartoon and it's not it's not what Doctor Who's about. Right, right. yeah. We get a cartoon and I love Ghostbusters. Okay.
1: That's true of all dot two episodes. Is the one thing that you you can always say, even if you never, if you didn't like an episode. This is farce is nothing but a cartoon. That's
2: well, certainly.
1: A... I think everybody's danced in their underwear to
2: ELO.
0: Please don't be fooled. You can't fool me. I know that's not a guitar. I'm embarrassed by it. It was bomb. Gas. like, I got go home. Tell us what you really felt. I didn't have a problem with that, I just didn't think it worked. They either love it or they hate it. It's a bit like Marmite. One tortoise bro. Right, right.
3: Yeah. It's Scooby-Hoo. You you know there's very few people know anything about whiskey. Scooby-Hoo. Okay. Okay. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's breaking up.
2: Live from the Celestial Toy Room, this is Doctor Who Podshot. host Gallifrey presents Doctor Who Podshock episode 66 for the first week of February 2007 my name is Ken Deep alongside Mr. Lewis Trapani hello and way across the pond Mr. James Naughton hello and we are here for another swinging sexy edition of Doctor Who Podshock
3: woohoo
4: about this earth with just a suitcase in my hand and i've met some bug-eyed joes i've met the blessed i've met the damn but of all
5: the strange strange creatures in the air at sea on land
2: oh my girl, my girl what's going on boys <laughs> girl,
1: I love lots busy busy newsweek lots to report on. So, like what Well, I'm going to throw it over to Lewis because he's our man in the newsroom as ever. (laughs) I caught it. Good man. (laughs) You've been practicing.
0: Okay, well, if you've been listening to the news, you may have heard about this great uh this auction taking place at the Barhams of London in the UK. More than four hundred outfits tailored by Angels, a preeminent customer for films shot in the UK, will be auctioned off at this auction, taking place on the sixth of March. And within this auction you'll be able to find various different um costumes and, and, and relics and props from um, from all sorts of different medium, including um, Sir Al Guinness's brown hooded cloak from Star Wars, and uh, but also included are costumes from that represent six of the Doctors from Doctor Who, including John Pertwee's jacket, and um, which comes complete with a sonic screwdriver. And it's also will have costumes worn by Patrick Troughton, Tom Baker, and those are collectively uh, those are uh, will expected to fetch. Twenty thousand pounds each. Christopher Eccleston's leather jacket is estimated at four thousand pounds, and um, so we're going to have to wait and see and, and see what the, the the total of this all comes in, you know. At and it's um, all expected to raise more than one million pounds. That's yeah, awesome.
1: yeah quite a lot of money there. And uh, I guess if some really big fans have uh, money to burn, then they, they you never know, you know. You could wind up with a uh, Tom Baker's scarf, the original of well, the full costume. For I, it sake, just so. kind of,
2: it's kind of um, disturbing though that they, these things wouldn't just be in like a Doctor Who exhibition. Though, you know, like, yeah. why wouldn't this stuff all be uh, in, in one of these, you know, one of the exhibitions, either the traveling one or the semi-permanent ones in, in the UK? Um, I mean, it's great that someone's going to have a chance to own these things, but yeah. I would rather have all the fans be able to see it than have it in somebody's. Living room, or you know, yeah, I, d- I
1: don't know because I thought that Christopher Eccleston's jacket was in the exhibitions. Was I don't because I know he had a couple, so I don't yeah. know if just one of them is being auctioned off, or whether um, I don't know because maybe I don't know whether it's to private collectors. I like guess it's least, open to anybody.
2: Uh, uh, at least like the, the some of the stuff that's at the Who Shop is on display. You, I mean, it's a it's a privately owned store but you walk in and you can see that some of the things you know some of the props and things that they've accumulated over the years at least that's on some kind of public display um i don't have a problem with that i'm just you know i don't know i mean it's it's wonderful i mean if i had the money i of course i would buy it you know but yeah of course um, and i think any one of us would but again it would be in my house and if yeah no one else would be able to enjoy it come
1: over yeah exactly so it's it's not so good, I guess, for the fans, but for the individuals out there, it'd be pretty awesome. But you,
2: know? you realize that these things are just going to disappear then, and the next time they'll make an appearance is when the current owner decides to auction it for even more money.
1: I guess so. Or at least the same amount of money, because when you're paying, I guess, like £20,000, for, which is really like th- the price of a car for a costume from a TV show, then you expect to... Get your money back. I would hope you're hardly you know, going to sell it the, for a quid on eBay or something.
2: Recently, <laughs> the the Forbes family sold off all the Fabergé collection back to this Russian billionaire. And again, before he put it into his private display, he brought the the relics back to to uh, to Russia, where they're on public display there, and you know, citizens of Russia can go see a, a you know a representation of of these great artworks. Um, Yes, it's privately owned, but he's put them on display for the public to appreciate, and that's to me yeah. is, uh, is if someone goes and buys these things, and let's say it is, you know, uh, a private collector, but who puts it on public display, then I wouldn't have a problem with it.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. What anyway. else is in the newsroom? Moving on, there is an interview with, uh, of course, the new companion, Freema Agyeman, um, and this was actually released in at uh, the current issue of a children's sort of publication called, ironically, The Newspaper. And this is actually distributed throughout schools across the UK. And it's kind of just a, a short, quick little interview with typical questions that you'd expect uh, and also contains sort of very minor spoilers relating to sort of what Martha's character is going to be like, how she's going to be different from Rose. You know, it's it's online. If you go to, of course, our, our partner's website, Outpost Gallifrey, the news section, uh, it, this particular posting was released on the 29th of, of January. Of course, if you're listening to the enhanced version of the podcast, just click the little link and it will take you there to the newspaper article itself. And it's just, I don't know, a, a very short interview, Uh, And it's just, you know, asking all the basic questions, things like, what's Martha like? What have you watched the show before? If you had a real TARDIS, where would you go? That sort of thing. So um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. And it's great that it gives us some kind of very small insights into the series because it's really around the corner now. And it's not going to be long before we're all sitting in front of our TVs on a Saturday night or computer screens in some cases to uh, to watch the third series, so looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, just and weeks on, away.
1: Yeah, just weeks away, and on a similar note, there's also some new casting news that we can report on. Um, there's a big rumour from, again, that classic British newspaper, The Sun, uh, which has released an article uh, Stating that life on Mars star John Sim, is the favourite to play uh, wait, a very wait, important character. Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, 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 wait! We have to give a proper. S- we have to give a, spo- a spoiler alert here. Because yeah, yeah,
1: I'm not. I wasn't going to say <laughs> who because. Oh, okay.
0: It's, it sounded like you were leading there. I'm sorry. No, no, no,
1: no, no. I, w- I would never do that because it's it's quite an interesting um, spoiler. It also relates to the news story that we were talking about last week. One of the news stories that we were talking about last week. Um, but it's quite interesting, I think you know but it has if, that
2: has this casting as this particular character been confirmed?
1: No, but uh, oh, it's so. quite a big spoiler so I don't think that they would they I, would I, and um, I don't think
2: it's i don't honestly i, I don't I think there's a 50 50 chance that it's whether it's true or false i don't I know really of course
1: of it. course. but I mean if you want to see the spoiler and find out about it of course head over to outpost Gallifrey at gallifrey1.com. It's in the news section uh, again from January the 29th, casting rumor from the Sun. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting because when Life on Mars came out, it came out at the same time as the first series, the 2005 series came out with Christopher Eccleston, and there were a lot of parallels between the two because here you had a, a British bloke, or you know, who's wears a tough leather jacket and essentially travels through time, albeit in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of parallels between the two, and I believe that a lot of the fans of Life on Mars were actually Doctor Who fans anyway, because it was quite heavily promoted in in that way, and particularly in America from what I've seen on our forums and just other forums around the globe. Yeah, around the globe, so...
0: It's a it's yeah. a good series. I'm glad that it's um, that series two of Life on Mars is underway, and anxious to see what further develops with the characters and the situation. Yeah, it's
1: going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And on sort of related casting news, just to keep things flowing along, um, Michelle Collins is also confirmed uh, to be a uh, in a guest role um, on an upcoming Doctor Who episode. In actual fact, episode seven, which is uh, written by uh, Chris Chibnall, uh, and directed by Graham Harper, although I don't think there's any, um, there is any information about the episode title as yet. Um, but apparently there's going to be more information about this revealed in Doctor Who magazine number 379, uh, which should be in shops right now. It should have gone in shops on the 1st of February but I haven't had the chance to pick that up and check it out. But for those of you not in the know, um, Michelle Collins uh, was best known in EastEnders playing Cindy Beale um, and also um, on several other dramas uh, from the BBC. Um, I can't remember what the name of one of them was, but it was about uh, a family who emigrated to the Isle of Skye um, I can't remember the name of it, but that's another thing that she'd be fondly remembered for. But yeah, she was in EastEnders for a heck of a long time, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with this and see what her role will be. But yeah, so just updating you guys on the um, on the old casting news. Mm-hmm. But, but Lewis has some quite interesting news regarding... Um, the BBC, some updates, I believe, as to what's going to be going on in the next few years.
0: Well, yes, if all goes well, and if you've been um, if you've been keeping abreast of this on our on our website or Outpost Gallifrey, uh, you would know about um, this talk about the BBC um, offering downloads of, doc- of 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 programs, including Doctor Who. And right now, the BBC Trust has given their provisional approval to the BBC's proposal for making their television output available via their website for on-demand access. So what's interesting about this is that we're hoping that um, this will give a legal and um, a widespread um, accessible um, way for people outside of the UK, and including people, of course, in the UK, to... Watch the, the the new episodes of Doctor Who, and um, and what the what this what they're proposing is that the programs will be available for thirty days after the initial broadcast, and of course it will be restricted using DRM digital rights management. And the the caveat here is whether or not it's going to. Right now they're proposing to use Microsoft's technology, and we're hoping for a much broader. Um, DRM technology that will be available on multiple platforms, um, including, you know, Mac, Linux, and, um, you know, of course, Windows as well. So, hopefully, that will uh, that technology will come into play as well. This is, you know, there's nothing official as far as, um, you know, details. This is just one step closer to um, getting there right now. So, it's 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 a, you know, we're keeping an eye on it. The final decision is supposed to be reached before the second of May.
1: Yeah, I know it's it's going to be great, particularly for overseas um, guys, people who are interested in the show, and indeed BBC content as a whole. But it seems that you know now living abroad now, um, it seems that everything online that the BBC does is purely tailored to the British audience. Yeah, because we've of seen the this with Torchwood.
0: We've seen this with yeah. Torchwood and the Sarah Jane Adventures. That they really, especially with Sarah Jane Adventures, that completely restricted that website to just the UK only. So we're hoping that that maybe the service will be available to UK residents for thirty days, part as part of their license fee, and then for anyone outside of the UK, will be on a uh, per cost per download, you know, fee, just like if you were to you know, purchase it or yeah. like, rent it or whatever, however they're gonna work it.
1: Yeah, because I think if they were to do it any other way than that, it would really put off um other US networks who are hoping to buy up the show because if everybody else is able to download that's it, that's a good free, point. Yeah. That's gonna cause some serious problems for the sci fi channel or uh C B C and all that sort of stuff. So they've got to keep their partners happy and uh I don't know, it's 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 gonna be interesting and I, I really hope it happens just for the sake of, you know, Doctor Who fans who aren't living in the UK because it's a serious fan base. And also it's it's a serious opportunity for the BBC to um, get some extra revenue to help with producing further shows because, of course, it's a completely non-profit organisation, so any money that they make will go back into...
0: Programming and...
1: Yeah, programming. So that's what's great about it. It's not just going into lining Fat Cat's pockets, so... You know, it's pretty awesome, I think, and I'm excited about it. But
0: I, I know we've been advocating for them, you know, to release the Doctor Who on, you know, in iTunes, you know, which will make it accessible for everyone. Hopefully, you know, TV shows will be coming to the UK in iTunes, hopefully, very shortly, we hope.
1: Yeah, I hope so. If not TV shows, then at least movies and stuff. But mm-hmm. who can say? Because I guess that they're having real difficulty and take, it takes a long time sorting out the... Um,
0: well I, I, licensing and I, again what you had just made a point about before is that with television series like let's say a, a typical u.s television series may be in a in season two here in the u.s and it may be just season one may be getting to the uk now so they, they want to protect you know they don't they don't want that they don't want people to be able to download episodes before they're being offered to their native countries you know and and mm-hmm. just like you said Uh, James, if it's Doctor Who, it might infringe on the sci-fi channel's um, opportunity to be the first to show it, if if it was available on iTunes.
1: Yeah, and it seems that the sci-fi channel, God bless them, are really, you know, starting to pick up on Doctor Who, and I understand that it will only be a short Mm -hmm. gap between the broadcast in the UK and the broadcast in the US,
4: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, which has always been the case for Canada, but never the case for the US, so it's good that that's going to happen anyway, so.
0: And then I'm assuming it will follow suit with BBC America as well, where, I mean, they're still showing the Christopher Eccleston series right now, and I can only assume that they'll do, they'll go ahead with David Tennant and, um, you know, and, and follow through.
1: Yeah, I guess it depends on the ratings, but, you know, any while well, Doctor Who is off-air, the fans will watch anything. They'll watch any form of Doctor Who just to keep them going. I mean, I think well, that's why Torchwood has been so yeah. successful.
0: I mean, yeah. what's kind of That's cool here is that anyone that maybe had missed the, the original run of Christopher Eccleston on mm-hmm. on the Sci-Fi Channel, and maybe just became a fan of the series during David Tennant's run, now have an opportunity if they also receive BBC America to catch up on, um, you know, what they missed with, um, you know, with Christopher Eccleston and you know, and and Billy Piper, that preceded what they've came into. So they have mm-hmm. an opportunity to catch up.
1: Kenny's awfully quiet. What do you think about? I am. This I'm listening.
2: Paint? I'm listening to you guys, and and uh, I, I'm I too. am waiting for it to make its way to to iTunes, and you know we know that the the, the legalities of these things are you know a little bit complex. Star Trek: The Original Series just made its season one debut on iTunes. You know, and, um, great. You know, it's, at some point, I'm sure that a good doctor will make his way there. I'm I'm only concerned with this this downloadable BBC thing i i agree that i think it's going to be just for uk viewers to who mm. who may have missed here in the united states on on nbc and a few other networks if you missed one of the primetime shows you can download it on their website or watch it i should say not download it you, should, you can watch it um on on some of the network's websites because it still includes the commercials. You're basically just time-shifting the show. And I think that's Mm. what the Beeb has in mind for Doctor Who, just for people who missed it. I think it's still going to be restricted to just U.K. viewers. I think, like the Sarah Jane website, I think the United States is going to get blocked out of it. So to me, it's not something that I'm going to be enthusiastic about until I find out that I can actually watch it in real time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because really, okay. what's,
2: their, what's their motivation for me seeing the show
1: well you know as we know Doctor Who has a huge amount of merchandising going along with it and I think that and also not just the series itself because in the form of DVDs but all sorts of different bits and bobs as many of our fans out there will be aware so you have to get interest in the show get people hooked in order to sell the merchandise and make a bit of the extra cash so that you can put that money back into programming, I guess. So, uh, as long as there's demand for it, the BBC are going to do it. But I, I kind of get what you mean, mate, is that there's no real incentive for the Beeb to do that because um, when they sell it to the sci-fi channel, that's it. They sell it to the sci-fi channel. Exactly. And then it's up to the sci-fi channel to screen it and do whatever the hell they want with it, uh, within reason, I guess. So... Yeah, I I don't know. It, it's interesting, and it, it'll be good to see how it works out, but I hope it happens for you guys abroad so that you can see the show uh, just as, as quickly as the rest of us, I guess. So, But anyway, let's move on, because we're a bit restricted to time, and that was a, a long discussion. Uh, but just kind of to give you guys out there a bit of a... Uh, an update as to regards of, of what's happening with regards to DVDs and things. Um, to end today today actually announced that uh, well today being the second of February announced that Survival will be delayed by approximately two weeks. Uh, this was of course the the final uh, episode of the classic series with the Seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, uh, Sophie Aldred as Ace, and of course uh, Anthony Ailey as the Master. Um, so the disc is now actually scheduled to be available on shelves here in the UK on the 16th of April. Um, and this is only for the UK uh, release of the DVD, this delay. The release dates for the US and Canada, uh, New Zealand, Australia, all the rest of the world haven't been announced as yet. So they're doing a kind of uh, typical thing where it's releasing, being released first in the UK and then will be released elsewhere. So, uh, just to keep you guys abreast of the situation, as Lewis likes to say. (laughs) I
0: think there's a theme running in today's show.
1: (laughs) I'm saying nothing, mate. I'm saying nothing. (laughs) I don't want to get into trouble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave that to Kat.
1: So is that wrapped up for the news, or do we have anything else yeah, that I, think I have that wraps, I
0: just uh, A quick mention that, um, the, I guess this is being reported by the South Wales Echo, that um, a, new, a new shopping centre in Cardiff is, um, is to be named after Torchwood.
1: Oh, and- I heard about this, yeah, how
0: tacky. <laughs> <laughs> so Torchwood is making its mark. Hey, I just found out also uh, recently that there's a Cardiff, New York. I never knew there was a town in New York uh, that shares the same name. So um, maybe one day we'll do our show live from Cardiff. Cardiff,
1: Cardiff, New New York. York. Yeah, interesting.
0: That'd be kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah. And
2: uh, just finally a quick uh, convention update. Don't Mm -hmm. forget Gallifrey 2007. It's the 18th Amendment of Gallifrey 1. Happening February 16th, 17th, and 18th, 2007 at the LAX... Airport Marriott in Los Angeles, California. Colin Baker, Caroline John, Eric Roberts, Terry Malloy, among many, many others. And, of course, one.com uh, the website for, for details on the convention. And uh, that's coming up. By the time this uh, episode gets out to everybody, we should, should be right on top of us. If you and, can of get course, there. we'll be having reports from the event from anybody. Every, any listener is welcome to bring uh, their a quality audio recording device, or uh, make reports on the, uh, the public call box, and feel free to make reports from the convention. B, you guys are our eyes and ears on the ground at
0: Gallifrey.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, and, and, and I it guess too. it's only a week away,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: that's all right. Lewis, Re-
0: record any aromas you may smell. No, no, better not. It's best that you don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, we. I'm sure that our listeners don't want to become sniffers as well. I mean, there's a limit to how much technology should be able to deliver, and I think smells is, is definitely at the, the, the forefront. It's, it's, it's kind of crossed the line. But anyway, just to kind of give a brief announcement, because I know we've kind of farted on about this in the past couple of podshocks, but I, I want to kind of mention it again, because as yet, other than in the form of... Uh, very flattering spam
0: well we, uh, we don't we can't really call it spam because we not it's not really trying to sell us anything
1: no <laughs> that's true but it is i think it is spam but i mean whoever is sending this stuff it's hilarious you've will heard a bit of it at the start of the show if not all of it i don't know this is like Depends this, this
0: mash up with me saying, it's scribble
1: <laughs> i know and it's it's really funny and and we really are flattered and we want to know who's doing it so you know reveal yourself 555 we want to know uh, <laughs> What the deal is. But anyway, this person, be them male or female or wherever they are in the world, has inspired us. We've mentioned this before. We're holding kind of an, an exhibition. Uh, we're not calling it a contest because we don't really feel that that kind of reflects the nature um, of, of, of the whole concept. But if you send in a similar sort of mashup that just kind of promotes Doctor Who Pod Shock, almost like a promo um send it in uh, we'll listen to all of the ones that you guys send in and you have the chance to win uh, an iPod nano so it's a great opportunity to, to to get a new device to listen to the show on uh, it will be laser engraved so it'll be a custom iPod not only
6: Ooh. an iPod nano
1: but a custom iPod and um yeah I'll as of yet, I haven't yet done this, but I will do before this show gets out there. I'm going to put up all the rules and kind of uh, what the requirements will be up on our website, of course, PodShock.net, and hopefully at some point it'll also appear on um, the PodShock page over at uh, Outpost Gallifrey. So, yeah, send them in. We'd be really interesting to hear what you guys um, put together because we we know how good you guys are and and what you guys, how creative you you are and what you can put together so send send it in I mean it's yeah. an iPod for heaven's sake
0: currently there's a there's a thread in our forums about it that that, that Dave started so thank you Dave for starting that and, yeah
1: thanks um, for being on th- board there's,
0: there's information about that too and and again just to uh, what we're going to do is to show our appreciation to the one the, the one that we like the most we would like to do it to everyone we would like to you know give everyone that sends us something in you know a, a gift of appreciation so um, but the one that we all feel you know we like the best and the most we'll, we'll you know you can even choose your color if you like, for that, yeah,
1: and as I idea. say, at the moment we 've had zero entries, so i, I don 't know, I am even contemplating about sending in an, an entry so that I can get win this bloody iPod come on
0: <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, are you five 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 no,
1: sadly not, sadly not <laughs> I mean as yet it hasn't uh, the these uh, uh, things that we've been getting haven 't featured Ken, so maybe that's the challenge to five ah. five five. Uh-huh. I am a little
2: worried about that <laughs> i felt I felt uh first I felt a little left out and then I'm like, maybe I'm just lucky because <laughs> i you know I don't know what's going to happen if if all of a sudden I appear on one of these mashups
1: yeah <laughs> especially if they okay.
2: tap into your rough ready and roar uh...
1: oh, I'm sure that wouldn't be the case, <laughs> my friend I'm sure you know you're you're cool you're cool
2: May I give out another convention update uh of course' what we icon. Icon 26, March 23rd, 24th, 25th, 2007. Here are the confirmed guests so far. Uh, Carrie and Tori from the Mythbusters. Hooray! carry. Yeah, love Channel's, Carrie. Uh, Mythbusters, nice. along with uh, Arlene Martel from the original Star Trek uh, television series. Claudia Christensen from Babylon 5. Dean Hagland from The X-Files. Denise Crosby from Star Trek The Next Generation. Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers. Among uh, many of the guests, uh, including although once again we are not on the website yet, including Doctor Who Pod Shock, Hooray! Yay. But once again, they, we just we have to just fight it out to get ourselves on that, don't we? Uh, to get on the the page there. And Peter David, author uh, Peter David, also this year amongst many many guests. IconSF.org is the website. Icon Twenty Six, late March is uh, at the State University of New York in Stony Brook, New York, here on Long Island. Lewis Trapani and I will be in attendance, as always. Uh, doing, James
0: will be there live via the internet. We'll be doing the yep. pod.
2: Shock. Recording that weekend from Icon. And I'll be, of course, stumbling around Icon all weekend, making a... Tent- tentatively myself.
0: it's set up for Saturday uh whatever the Saturday date is i can I, I don't know what oh
2: Saturday now, Lewis, so oh, he did Sunday last year yeah,
0: last year it was they um we're scheduling it for a Saturday at noon tentatively right now with um with John Peel wow, Peele, um,
2: wow. author John Peel as well. this is great I'm kind of excited now. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a break while I go <laughs> take a cool shower.
1: <laughs> so, And with that bombshell, we'll be ah. right back after these messages.
6: Hello, I'm Elizabeth Sladen, and you're listening to Dr. Who Podshop.
3: Hello, admin. Lucy Miller speaking. Next time on Doctor Who.
1: You're my PA now. Take a letter, Miss Miller.
3: Uh, I'll take four letters and make a word out of them if you're not careful. Is it working now? Lucy? It's a bit odd, this place, isn't it? Think about it. When did you last go home?
4: Can't remember.
3: We never went. We just thought we did.
5: Hello? I'm looking for
3: human resources. Am I in the right place? Hello? <laughs> Are you the security guy? Something's not
5: right here.
3: Why are the doors locked? Oh, it's like that, is it?
5: Lots of things aren't right here. Are the others brainwashed or conspiring against you specifically? Why are we
3: locked in? Doctor Who, Human Resources, Part (coughs) 1. I feel like you're going to say, tune in next week to find out.
5: Stuff that. Let's find out now.
3: Oh, no. I didn't know it was them. Why would it be them?
0: Back with Doctor Who, Pachak, and we're very pleased to announce that one of our listeners and um, a active member on our website, uh, Stuart, has sent in a report. He went to Doctor Who Up Close, the, the ex- exhibition. He and uh, and his family, and he had um, sent in this audio report. So for your listening pleasure, this is um this is his um take on the expo.
5: Hi guys, this is Stuart Robertson also known as Dr. Hoovy on the forums. After a bit of upheaval in the last few months, my family and I are now residing in Austin, Texas, instead of Massachusetts. Anyway, we managed to spend this Christmas New Year over in the UK, and whilst this was ostensibly to see my new niece and for the children to see their grandparents, it did mean that we got to watch three episodes of Torchwood, The Runaway Bride and Sarah Jane Adventures in real time, and was also a good excuse for us to do a few other Doctor Who related things. The first of these was to visit the Doctor Who Up Close exhibition at the Spaceport in Whirl. Since in Podshock 64 you were discussing the forthcoming Doctor Who Up Close exhibitions, I thought I'd give you a brief report on the one I have managed to get to so far, which I guess is now finished, I think it was uh, over at the beginning of January. My mother-in-law's house is less than 15 minutes away from the museum, so on Christmas Eve, while you were recording Podshock 61, I believe, my kids, George, Angus, Miranda and myself, set off to uh, see the exhibition and go round the museum. The spaceport is located at Seacombe Ferry, which is one of the terminals for the Mersey Ferries, or... Ferry across the Mersey if you're familiar with the hit from Jerry and the pacemakers in the nineteen sixties.
2: So ferry across the Mersey, cause this
5: land's the place I love and here I'll stay. The spaceport is a science based museum targeted at kids focusing on the planets, astronomy and space travel. Certainly my kids, who span the age range of 5 through 12, thoroughly enjoyed themselves. Virtually all the activities are either hands-on or interactive, and range from quizzes through a simulator ride across an alien planet, and a planetarium show looking at the various planets of the solar system. After spending about an hour, hour and a half in the museum, we got through to the doctor who up close exhibition itself with the exception of a small display case showing classic doctor who memorabilia and a black and white television documenting the beginning of the first ever broadcast the rest of the exhibition referred only to the Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant revival of the series currently being shown by BBC the first series was represented by props from Rose the end of the world Aliens of London and World War 3, Bad Wolf, and if you count the Daleks then also from Dalek and The Parting of the Ways. From Rose there was a shop dummy Auton, a vial of anti-plastic, and a dismembered plastic arm which you could pick up and pretend to throttle yourself with. A fair cross-section of the creatures from Platform 1 were represented. Though none of the major aliens were present, and of course there was an obligatory Slitheen. As with the Dalek and the Cybermen present, there was a button that you could press next to him, which uh, made a rather splendid farting noise. And representing the end of the Eccleston series, the Susanna robot from Bad Wolf was also present. The most recent series starring David Tennant was somewhat better represented with props being present from every episode except for the two Christmas specials. From New Arthur was a Sister of Plentitude. There was a Fighting Monk's costume and the Diamond and Mistletoe props from Tooth and Claw. A Rusting Canine from School Reunion was also present. There was a Clockwork Courtesan from The Girl in the Fireplace. The obligatory Cyberman from The Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. Rosie's 1950s dress from The Idiot's Lantern. There was a spacesuit helmet prop from The Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. Not to mention an Ood. The Absorbaloth's cane from Love and Monsters. Some of the drawings from Fear Her. And from Army of Ghosts and Doomsday there was a Dalek and Cybermen as well as one of those strange large yellow buttons used to transfer between our Earth and the parallel one. Of all these props, definitely the best were the Cyberman and the Dalek. Dalek which uh, animated and spoke various phrases when you pressed the button, and similarly with the Cyberman. My daughter seemed to prefer Canine, 9 but uh, I think she was in the minority. As well as the props, there was like a viewing room where they were showing the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Unfortunately though, these were just playing on a loop and there was uh, no documentary or anything giving any further insight into these episodes. That was pretty much the extent of the exhibition. Though there was a fairly good store downstairs where you could buy some classic uh, Doctor Who memorabilia, various uh, toys and promotional items from the new series, and some special spaceport Doctor Who Up Close souvenirs like pens and mugs. So overall I would say the um, Doctor Who Up Close was a very enjoyable experience. And we thoroughly recommend going to the new versions of it that are opening up in Manchester and uh, somewhere else. As I think I mentioned at the beginning, this was just one of a couple of Doctor Who things we did while we were back in the UK. So I will uh, send in a further report uh, a little bit later on on our other visit to the Doctor Who Monster Museum in Blackpool, where the focus was on classic Doctor Who. So until next time, keep the good work up, guys, and keep that podcast coming out. Bye.
1: Great to hear your take there, mate. Yeah, good stuff. Always good to hear from the listeners. And, of course, uh, we encourage everybody to send us stuff in because then everybody gets their stuff out there. This is what we're all about. It's as much uh, our Podshock as it is your Podshock.
2: As much and- your pod shock as it is our pod shock.
1: Indeed. So it's a a great forum for you guys to send in stuff and and share your experience. So cheers for that, mate. That's grand. And uh, we've also got uh, some more audio interviews, I believe. Yeah, we
0: we want to thank Mohan from the Pachak forums uh, um, who had made this available to us. And we're going back in
6: time.
4: We're
0: going back in time to um, to Peter Davison, and this is um, a interview with Peter Davison from the Chuck Rabb show. And thanks again, Mohan, for providing this interview for us.
6: Peter, could you tell me what it was like for you to portray the Doctor?
3: Um, well, I suppose it was um, quite mind-boggling, really. I had watched the program since. Um, 1963, when it started in uh, Great Britain, when I was 12 years old. And I never really thought at that time that I would ever become the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a hard process to um, come to terms with when I was offered the part, I think, before I could imagine myself playing it. And I went to have lunch with the producer. And uh, at first I was going to turn it down, but um, he allayed my fears, and uh, I decided to do it. So, but but it, was a, it was a rather strange experience following in the footsteps of, of someone who I'd, I'd been a sort of fan of, really.
6: So you had watched it an awful well, lot. Yes. And you were very familiar. While you were portraying the Doctor, what was it like for you day to day? What was a typical day on the set?
3: Well, we had enormous fun making it. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I sort of... The only way I can really work well is to enjoy what I'm doing. Um, so the, the rehearsals, generally speaking, were a lot of fun. And I think most people who worked on Doctor Who when I was doing it, I think, enjoyed it as a sort of um, experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't guarantee what the end result looks <laughs> like. Mean, most of the time, you see, it's, we spend rehearsing. We spend ten days rehearsing. Right. And then we're in the studio for three days. Uh, and we do this twice, and that makes up a four-parter. Uh, so there are usually at least when I was doing six days recording, studio mm-hmm. yeah, recording per story, plus any filming that we might do uh, outside. Um, so a, a rehearsal day would simply be starting at about ten thirty, 30, uh, going through the scenes with uh, anything that looked even vaguely like the props we meant to be using. You know, if the, if the villains had guns and they'd be bits of uh, wood <laughs> they, would, yeah, <laughs> and, um, they had a mock-up of the TARDIS console was a bit of a hardboard nailed to a chair, <laughs> um, uh, with rude remarks written on by various people over the years. Uh, so we did that uh, for ten days, and then we would go into the studio. And the studio day starts uh, with say rehearsal in the morning of the scenes. You block the scenes with the cameraman who have not seen the scenes before, and then in the afternoon you go into record situation. Um, you get through as many scenes as you possibly can and by about five to ten you go into a state of total panic when you realize you haven't got all the scenes that you should have done recorded. And so you rush through about four scenes in the space of five minutes with practically no rehearsal. This, <laughs> is, uh, this is, uh, is the way that television is done unfortunately because of the restrictions of, of money and uh, time. You, the, there's not really basically enough time to do things at a, a, at a measuring pace. So you start off in a fairly relaxed manner and build up your uh, mm-hmm. speed at which you try to do things during the day.
6: Did you find that pressure difficult to work with sometimes?
3: Uh, not really. I found it frustrating because you, you'd, you'd end up uh, rehearsing things well for 10 days and then um, not quite doing justice to what you would planned to do in the studio. But at that same time, that's what television is about. It's a sort of comp- compromise. Their, um, the way that you have to work. But I don't think that I found the pressure too much. No, I wouldn't say the pressure was too much. It was just a bit frustrating sometimes.
6: Do you remember any story in particular that was more pleasurable to film than another?
4: I, wouldn't,
3: I don't know, really. I enjoyed them all. I, I mean, I had immense fun doing Doctor Who. Uh, I, think of a, a good story. Um, I suppose t- um, time flight, which I believe actually went out somewhere in, in, uh, quite recently, just mm-hmm. uh, just just now, was immense fun to do. But again, it was one of those that it was unfortunately done at the end of the season when I think we were running a little low on money. So I don't know that the production values were as high as they might have been. But we had immense fun um, making it. Actually, making it, the mm-hmm. actors who were involved in it uh, as guest stars were very good fun to work with. And. Uh, I don't think you'd ask for much more than that, except perhaps a bit more time.
6: And <laughs> the time was always a factor. Did you find it really different going from Tristan, for an, in All Creatures Great and Small, to The Doctor?
3: Oh, it's an, yes, an entirely different thing. Um, I suppose I felt a bit uh, under pressure to bring elements of, of uh, Tristan into Doctor Who, as you always do, if you're known for certain you know, there's a part of you that says, I want this. I want to be different to this. And there's a part of you that knows that you have to be at least recognisable in order to um, be uh, appealing to the public, I guess, right. in, in, in straightforward terms. Uh, but there was a, a program in, in um, Britain when I was just when it was announced I was taken over, where they invited people along to say how they thought I should play it fun idea to get me of the public a lot to ask uh, how I should play it and uh, one young boy said he, that he thought I ought to be like Tristan but brave <laughs> uh, which I guess was the best uh, sort of uh, summing up of the part as I started out I could think of um, I, I just dived into it really <laughs> Been following Tom Baker for seven years is a little daunting but it's it a was time. very different from all creatures in every way really
6: Right, and you didn't have a character background to do.
3: Yes, because because it's fictional. Yeah, that is well. Not only yes, is it fictional, but of course you don't have the normal things that you can do with an earthbound character, whether right. it's fictional or not. You know, you can't say he came from this background. His father was like this. He went mm-hmm. to school here. You know, when you're when you're faced with someone who was um, brought up on Gallifrey as a Time board, it's a little difficult to sort of <laughs> plot his uh, social background.
6: How many conventions at this point have you done in America, or have you kept count?
3: I haven't quite kept count. Let me see. One, two, three, four. About four, I would have said. Maybe five. Maybe five.
6: And at this point, do you plan on doing more of these?
3: I do. Um, I'm sort of uh, torn between, am I not being Doctor Who anymore now? and therefore keeping a lower profile. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to disassociate myself from the program in any way, but at the same time, um, I suppose this doesn't so much apply to America yet, but Colin Baker has taken over now. Right. Mean, so in a way, I wanted to keep a low profile as regards that, because I think that, uh, you know, I think uh, he's the doctor <laughs> to me now. I'm quite happy to let him take on that mantle. Okay. Um, at the same time, never stop being Doctor Who once right. you've been a doctor. So, uh, um, I'm very happy to, to come over and do uh, conventions, Certainly they're, they're normally great fun.
6: From your point so. of view, at a, as a guest uh-huh. at a convention, what is it like for you to come over and get up in front of a crowd of viewers and a few questions?
3: Hmm. Well, I, I was, when, I, when I first came over, when I was uh, doing my first convention, which was in Tulsa, uh, I was very, very apprehensive about it because I'd never done anything like it before, so no, um, no one in the convention hall, no one in America had seen me as the doctor. They knew me from all creatures. Uh, so I was very apprehensive about it. You know, anything that I might say would just, they just wouldn't make anything <laughs> of it at all. But in fact, it, it was the easiest thing in the world. I mean, I actually just came on, on the stage and there was a marvelous round of applause. <laughs> and then they'd ask me a question. I just answered it the best way I could and they'd applaud even louder. <laughs> so in fact, it was a very enjoyable experience. The worst right. thing about them is that uh, you rarely see the outside world. Right. I mean, I shouldn't think I'll take one step outside the hotel apart from into the taxi cab back to the airport which on, is on Monday, which is a shame because, uh, you know, uh, Chicago's a lovely city, I believe. I flew over it this morning. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's just one of those things. If I had more time to stay on, then I would stay on, you know, make a kind of... Uh,
6: we'll go um, one more question. Uh, do you have any uh, particular outside hobbies or interests that you like to do to relax when you're away from the acting? Um,
3: I write songs. Mm-hmm. I haven't done many f- much for in the past year because I've been quite busy. Uh, I read a lot. Uh, I quite like cars. I'm quite keen on mm-hmm. motor cars. Um, I think that's probably about all, really. Um, that sort of takes up a fair amount of my time. And cricket. Mm-hmm. I used to. I mean, in the summer months, I used to play quite a lot of cricket. I didn't this year because I was uh, very busy. But um, I play when I can. You I'm like not, cricket? Oh, yeah, I do. I'm not awfully good at it, but uh, I try hard.
0: We'll be right back with Dr. You Podshock, and we're going to get to your feedback, so don't go away.
3: Hi, this is Trevor. David. Tony. And I'm Jeff, and we're the MMM Commentary Team, and if you want to listen to fun and exciting alternate commentaries of your favourite sci-fi, listen to us. You're listening to the Gallifrey and Embassy's Podshock.
1: Mmm.
6: MM Master
2: Popchock is on. Advice listening immediately.
0: Okay, we're back with Doctor Who Pachock. And as we promised, are? yeah, we are. All right. We're all back here now. Fine. Here. And we're gonna lead the feedback with Scott from Tulsa, our regular contributor to Doctor Who podcast feedback.
4: This is B Scott 750, Scott McAllen from Tulsa. I rewatched the Sarah Jane Adventures for a second time and noticed the Bane mother had some, some resemblance to the lovely Max. Uh, from the long game. I might be reading too much into this, but I wonder if they're not exactly one and the same creature. Because the Doctor did wonder in the first season of how he could have gotten to Satellite 5. So I'm just curious if by any chance that they're not one and the same. I'm just curious if you had any knowledge of when to... Uh, Torchwood was coming to the U.S., or how much further till Sarah Jane Adventures becomes a true, true series. Once again, D. Scott 750, Scott from Tulsa. Bye. You
0: know, when I was first watching it, I realized there was a very much a similarity in, in in, in those villains and um, I don't know if they're they, they they look different enough not to be the same. So, but it's just like the human form, you know, seems to be prevalent across the <laughs> the many galaxies out there. It, I, I guess some forms and, you know, are, are similar, you know, and, um, and, and this is one of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really do like Scott because he always is very observant and, and picks out things that perhaps never would have occurred to me. Um, Although I'm not too sure, as he says, I don't know whether he's he's looking too much into this because, as you say, Lewis, that it's indeed it's a possibility, um, but and I, I don't know because um, I guess it is possible, but I don't know whether it's very likely. It's going to be interesting to see whether that's the case, but I I have a feeling that no, because. They 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 look different enough not to be the same, yeah. as you, exactly as you say, Lewis. But the whole concept is very similar, I, I must admit. Um, but I guess because it's so far ahead into the future that maybe they've evolved. Maybe it's a whole kind of like acrylicine thing where they're constantly changing and updating their name, and I don't know. It's it's a possibility, uh, mm-hmm. but it's something to to ponder, I guess, for uh, for all of our listeners out there. Um, As for the Torchwood side of things coming to the US, as yet, I don't believe that there is any um, plans to show it in America as yet. I know it's going to be um, broadcast on ABC in Australia and um, on TV2 in New Zealand and on Quattro TV in Spain of this year.
0: And and Canada as well.
1: And in Canada, of course, because Canada, uh, CBC, uh, has quite a high stake in the programme as it does with Doctor Who. But as yet, I haven't heard of any plans to ship the series over to the US. Um, I don't. I. I don't know whether they will or not. I. I guess maybe the Sci-Fi Channel might be waiting to see um, how the DVD sales and things go and all that sort of stuff here in the UK before they buy it up. That certainly seemed to be the case with the first series of of Doctor Who, they were looking...
0: A lot of uh, Torchwood uh, fans are hoping that if it does go to the US, it may go to a a premium channel, you know, sort of like HBO. They show extras that was imported from the BBC. Yeah,
1: Ricky Gervais, yeah.
0: Where you you don't have the censorship issues, where you can just, you know... You know, they've done this in the past. Showtime has shown um, science fiction series, um, such as The Mm -hmm. Outer Limits and Stargate. So we're hoping that maybe that would be the venue for Torchwood if it does come to the U S
1: yeah. And as also for the Sarah Jane adventures, um, as yet there's no official sort of release date, but what I can say, what I do know is that production uh, on the full series is due to begin in April of this year. So later on in the year, I'm assuming some time around in August to give them time to sort out all the c g i at the mill and everything um, because that was just purely a one off episode just to kind of introduce the series um, so the the production I think for the rest of the series, the other five two part stories um have only been scripted they haven 't actually started production on them as yet um, as far as i 'm aware, just from reading around the web into things so mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong with this. I mean, if anybody else has anything to say, please do do email in. And
0: it's not like, so, it's not like us folks in the U.S. can go to the Sarah Jane Adventures website and check in on I you. I know,
1: and, and <laughs> neither can I at the moment either. It's very frustrating, but I guess the Beeb has to do what the Beeb has to do.
0: Yeah. But, um, um, I mean, as soon as we get news, I'm sh- you know, as soon as Outpost Gallifrey reports on it, we'll be reporting on it as well.
1: Yes, indeed. So, let's... Plow straight into the emails from okay. this week. We've had quite a few. Well, um, you have
0: one other voicemail. This is. Uh, oh,
1: I do apologize. I completely forgot. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: us. and you're going to be um, regretting that you forgot about this one. I know, because <laughs> it's my friend, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, is good old um, Ashley. Ashley from Atlanta, Georgia.
4: Hi, Ken, James, and Lewis. Um, I'm Ashley, and I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I just wanted to let you know that I saw on a PBS website that um... billy piper is going to be in one of their masterpiece theater episodes called the ruby in the smoke and it'll be airing on february fourth um, a sunday um, I'm not sure what time i think like nine o'clock but anyway i just wanted to let you know really enjoy your show hey james i actually know james um, i'm friend with, friends with his girlfriend but um... anyway thanks bye you dog james <laughs>
1: I'm saying nothing. <laughs> Hi, Ashley. How are you doing? Yeah, it's great to. Thanks for sending that feedback in. That's actually going out tonight, then. Yeah, as we yeah, record, as we record
2: <laughs> this,
0: it's, it's the February
2: 4th. And it's so. locking horns with the Super Bowl in the United States. So I'm sure Billy Piper's ratings will be through the roof tonight. Oh, today's <laughs> exactly. the Super Bowl. Okay. It is. Yeah. yes.
1: <laughs> See, that's how tuned in. Even I knew that, and I'm. <laughs> and <the park>. He's
2: halfway <laughs> <heavy laughs> around the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Lou is buried in Lou's cave. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, what's that? All right.
2: Well, I have to. I have to. Um, if James has a uh, a, a lady uh, feedbacker, then I have Brenda, who wrote in and said Uh-oh. the TARDIS sound effect is very distinct. Can you tell me how it was made? I love your show. That's from Brenda. And Brenda, it's um actually the sound effects began with rubbing. I, I think it was a. Uh, 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 Strip of wood, a block of wood across some piano strings, and then yeah, p- yeah. And piano, piano wire, string. yeah, piano wire, and then given some uh, some effects. Uh, actually, it may even be reversed in there, but uh, but it, it begins slow with, down with uh, and yeah. wood against piano wire, And that gives yeah. it the whoosh whoosh sound.
1: You can, you can kind of hear it if you've ever
2: mm. uh, opened and, uh, up an old
1: piano and done that yourself.
2: The Yeti's roar, as you remember in the 30 years in the TARDIS, is the reverse sound of a, of a loo flushing.
0: <laughs> That's not me. That's, a- you, That's
2: you quite actually, funny. If you think when, when, you, when you know that in your head and you hear it, you can be like, oh my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a big revelation. It's a big revelation. <laughs> Moving on to more emails, we've had one from uh, Amy, and she oh, says, "All the
2: ladies hey, today are getting the wild Indeed,
1: ones. indeed, we're uh, it's a sexy edition of PodShock this week, <laughs> uh, as Lewis introduced it in the beginning. So there we are. <laughs> oh my, um, oh, oh my. my, indeed. So she says, hey, guys, I'm a new Doctor Who fan who's been uh, listening to PodShock for about six months. First off, great job. Second, your recommendations to new fans.'" Uh, have been very helpful indeed. But now to the real point. My wonderful, awesome husband got me a Dalek-holding body wash for Christmas. Mm, Oh, nice. I snapped a, a picture of our cat, Indigo, attacking the Dalek picture is attached, uh, I should say, and it's titled, Who's the Superior Life Form Now? <laughs> anyway, thought I'd share. Looking forward to more Podshock in 2007, Amy. So cheers for that. I'm going to put this up in, in the gallery section of our website uh, as soon as I have the chance and, and credit it properly, if that's okay, Amy. But it's a really cute photo, and I know Ken's laughing because I know he, he has a couple of cats, and uh, I'm sure do, he appreciates this. Person. Yeah, so, um, there we are. There we are. So kind of here's... in with
0: survival story, no? Never
1: mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's delayed slightly there, but never mind. Never mind. Uh, here's another one, which is a game from another lady. Good Lord. Uh, she says, hello to you, uh, all of you on Podshock. Uh, continuing on from Podshock number 64, I just wanted to ask a few questions. First, how did Jack come across the Doctor's hand, or even know that it was his? It obviously fell a long way from the ship, and by all rights it should have splattered on the ground. Nice uh, visual image there. Uh, also, what happened to the Sycorax leader and and the two swords? The Doctor's first, and the one the Sycorax was holding when he fell. Not to men- No mention is made of what happened, although they obviously landed somewhere too. Yeah, this is an interesting point. Um, I don't know, I guess it will be revealed uh, in this upcoming Series 3 how Jack recognised the fact that it was the Doctor's hand and how it survived the fall. Maybe the Sycorax leader didn't and ended up in a in a nice um, splatter on the ground, as, as you describe. Uh, I don't know about the two swords. Maybe some kiddies got their hands on them? That would be quite bad, wouldn't it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> only time will tell, I guess. For that, that's an interesting point. I hadn't. Well, I I thought about the hand thing, but I certainly hadn't thought about the Sycorax bloke. So uh, I don't know. Guys' thoughts? Any yeah, ideas?
0: They, 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 okay. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen the the last episode, it's kind of obvious that the hand, you know, is what we expected. The hand was to, you know, belong to. Yeah. So exactly. Uh, but it's really hasn't really been uh, explained in the series itself. So. Um, I don't know if it will or not. And, you know, maybe it's just, they, they, they what they seem to have done with Captain Jack in the series is build up a bit of a mystery around him and his, um, his character, Life, his yeah. history where, you know, so I think that's part of, it's one of the elements in it. And obviously it's a tie to, um, the Christmas invasion, you know, the Doctor Who story.
1: Yeah. It's just adding to the canon. Anyway, she continues on to say to Eric in Washington. Uh, This is, for those of you who haven't heard previous episodes, a guy called Eric had emailed in and said that he was a a new uh, 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 listener and we got him hooked on Doctor Who and he'd been trawling through the series at uh, great speed. But she says, to Eric in Washington, I had a surprise when I heard your email. I am exactly the same, even down to the episode you were hooked on. I found a good website for synopsises." I don't know if that's uh, how you say that, but anyway. Which is www.doctorwhoguide.com. That's Doctor Who, abbreviated to D-R-Who. They list every type of Doctor Who media and give a detailed step-by-step synopsis for most of them. I recommend it. Keep up the good work on Podshot, guys, from Emily in Melbourne, Australia. Fantastic. Thank you Mm. so much for that. I'm I'm glad that uh, people appreciate... uh, what we do, it's always a, a pleasure. Um, and it's like and it's ladies' night sure.
2: tonight.
1: Yeah, maybe we should have <laughs> some emails from, from some blokes. I don't know, but uh, let me see here.
2: Uh, well, we definitely have a few, that's for sure. I'm looking yeah,
1: through. we do. We do. Um, mostly, actually, surrounding the Murray What's Gold that? alarm bell.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so to, we had one from Taylor uh, Nelson, a chap called Taylor Nelson, um, and another guy called Martin Johnson, uh, so i 'm just going to read out the one from Martin because um, mm-hmm. they 're both pretty much the same. I was listening to feedback in episode sixty four and I know exactly what Nelson means about the alarm bell, of course, because Taylor emailed in about before about this um, that Murray Gold uses as uh, music at least once in almost every episode of Doctor Who, which is the fire school bell type alarm sound that rises in volume every time something alarming happens. And being a composer myself, I guess I'd notice it more. It's really overused and is very annoying and puts me off the action every time I hear it. I think you can hear it in Rose when she first enters the TARDIS and walks around it. If you haven't noticed it for Series 2, you probably will now. And believe me, you're going to wish you hadn't. Come on, Mr. Gold, enough of the alarm bell. I keep thinking there's a fire. All (laughs) the best, Martin Johnson. um, Composer for Evil of the Daleks on stage, October 2006. And Dalek Plan on stage, October 2007. Check out the website at evilofthedaleks.co.uk. And just to mention, Taylor had had put in a thing saying that um, he noticed that uh, off the Doctor Who soundtrack, now available on the US uh, iTunes Music Store, by the way, uh, but you can hear the bell actually about three times in the Tooth and Claw track if you've no idea um, what we're talking about. So cheers for that update, guys. And, and, and I think,
0: and Taylor, you can now you know that you're not the only one, um, you know, fixated. Who by is
1: annoyed it. by it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody else is. It would appear. I just I'm so dopey that I'd never noticed it. Well, it was first now. brought
0: to my attention by um, by Sean Huxter, a, a regular listener, and poster to our forums.
1: Anyway, I guess that wraps up the feedback, and indeed the show in general.
0: Yes, and general admirals, lieutenants, all. <laughs> 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 of
1: course. Absolutely.
0: So thanks for listening and uh, um, come back next week for another exciting, thrilling, exhausting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, but yes. before we go, I should mention, have a heart or two. Ah, go absolutely. to our website <laughs> and donate. We really could use the money right now for um, our service base. It all goes back into the show. If you want to buy something from a shop, you can. Uh, if you'd be a DVD or whatever, we get a percentage of the, the, the price it would really help us out, because lately our donations have kind of uh, stopped, and it does cost money to put this show out there, so I hate to nag people, but it'd be really awesome if you guys could do that for us.
2: And So don't forget that we have a US and a UK merchandise store, and that too helps us out a bit, and you also get something in return, which could be a t-shirt or sweatshirt or something, and you show your support for Doctor Who Podshock when you go to a convention or a sci-fi event or just around town, you get a chance to wear your Hodshock swag. I have the black hooded sweatshirt, which I rock. (laughs) (laughs) Rock out too, yeah. Doing the horns with the fingers, but you guys can't can't see it. Will you be wearing that to the icon? Oh hell yeah!
1: (laughs) Good man, good man.
2: I'm going to be wearing that to the to icon, and uh, and actually, here's what I'm. You know, I have the I have the standing challenge, but I'm making I'm making a concession, a, a restriction, I should say, on the Gallifrey uh, convention for February 2007. I will offer, I have a box set DVD, uh, the um, Lost in Time collection, the DVD set of Lost in Time, um, Region 1, United States and Canada. Box set, it is open. It was a promotional copy, so it did not come in shrink wrap. It was open. And I will offer that to the person who collects the most photographs in a Pod Shock in podchuck attire with the most guests at, at Gallifrey one Just being last year, we had some people taking pictures with multiple guests, the person who sends in the most pictures. How about that?
1: Wow. That's mm. impressive. We should put something about that on the set. front page. We'll put something about that on the front page.
2: It's sitting so right here. People. It's raring to go. All I have to do is put it in a, uh, package it for shipping and mail it to you. If you are the winner, um, and so uh, two unfortunately, there's a region go. one. But if you, you know, maybe maybe someone out there has a multi-region player. I do. Uh, I believe Lewis and James do as well. So of course, live large, folks. Yeah.
0: And, and of indeed, course, make sure you take these photographs with the consent of those you're taking them with. <laughs> 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 hey, just take a photo of you. Without, it
2: turns into that Doctor that Doctor Who night. Um, clip with Peter oh, Davidson, yes, right? that's exactly that's oh, what I was God. thinking of. Do you want to kiss Peter <laughs> Davidson? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, please please have the consent of the people that you're taking of, right? <laughs> Please obey all local laws. <laughs> yeah, don't
1: kidnap like Peter Davidson or anything and take him back to your house. And,
5: and also, I,
2: I had reached out to the, the global audience once before, completely non Doctor to Who related. What I am looking for, in my, in my collection over the years, either audio or video um, to trade, possibly, of the... I need the closing ceremonies to the 2000 Summer Olympics from Sydney, Australia. The closing ceremonies. I need the audio or video of the 2000, uh, in particular, the last maybe 15 minutes. I'm looking for... Uh, Minute Work, and Slim Dusty in my, in my musical collection. So, Hopefully, being that the podcast reaches out on a global scale, maybe I'll get lucky. Yeah, maybe we should put something in about and, the forums. And you know what? James and I were talking off air. Maybe we can reach out to the audience. These guys are yeah. uh, brilliant. Uh, we're looking for the Orbital versus Tom Baker mashup.
1: Yeah, the symphony thing for those. It's a, it's, uh, oh, they
2: do. A, there's a mashup out there of the orbital Doctor Who theme uh, with do- with Tom Baker doing symphony. We're dying to hear it because we're huge fans of symphony.
1: Indeed, and now we have our own symphonies going on with all these. Uh, I, we mashups.
2: do. I, I'm flattered.
1: I'm flattered too. I think it's hilarious. Keep sending me in five 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 five.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We do indeed. All right, everybody.
0: Well, I want it's to remind everyone super... that we want to hear from you. You can send your feedback to feedback at podshock.net or use our public call box 206-888-4HOO. That's 206-888-4946. And leave us some feedback.
2: Please
1: do. But fearing that, have a great week, guys, and we'll speak to you next time.
2: Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. Have a good, good one.
0: You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run and presented by Outpost Gallifrey. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Sorry, no
3: time. Mustache. Come back later.